Oh, but I do remember on the other side that this was huge, that whenever people are getting ready to come here, usually they have a a specific thing they want to try out. Like somebody will say, well, I want to have a very extreme ride. I want it to be intense. And those people, you'll have your, your buddies on the other side and you'll ask for volunteers and you'll say, okay, who will come down there and be the bad guy next to me? Come on, come on, come on. And they'll volunteer. Yeah. And so the people that you hate so much here, be ready. Cause when you die, you're going to be looking at each other again. And you're going to have to say thank you because it's a lot harder to go lower vibration. It's much more pain. It's painful. It is literally painful the lower you drop down. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive Awakening Consciousness with Karen Swain. I have yet another delicious person. I know I said that last week. Another nurse to introduce you to, a retired nurse. Her name is Yvonne Ballard. She's a mother of two. She's also had an NDE, a near-death experience, in 2008. Welcome to the show, Yvonne. Hi, everybody. Yvonne and I also met about, well, on the internet, connected about a year ago and it's taken this long to get this conversation <laughs> happening. It's taken about an hour this morning to work it out. out all the tech stuff. But Yvonne's story is quite different to the last interview I had with Penny, who was also a retired nurse who had an NDE, near-death experience. So we're going to hear about Yvonne's story and ooh, it's going to take us in many places. Fascinating. Yvonne, do you want to tell us what was happening in 2008 and what led up to the NDE? Oh, I think I was like a lot of people, uh, worked too hard, single mom of two, trying to get through college and all that stuff and worked just too hard and my immune system couldn't take it. I ended up getting pneumonia. That led to septic shock, which led to total system failure. I was in a coma for a month. I've read the chart. I shouldn't be alive many times and uh, came back. While I was, that was kind of boring, not very sexy on that story, but what happened when I was gone was exceptional, and I don't think I've ever been the same since, nor will I be the same ever again. I think the biggest thing for me is when when I think of things that happened to me 10 years ago as a human, it's hard to remember them. 
it's hard to get the details. It's hard to get the time right. I don't forget. I haven't forgotten any of what happened. I can almost moment to moment remember it to this day. It was like I was gone for 10 or 20 years, human time. Yeah. So there's a lot of information that I can talk about and that I can share. And if I talked nonstop for a hundred years, I couldn't get it all said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was exceptionally fun. It was very fun. Uh, I'm, I'm in line with everybody else. There is nothing to be afraid of. Please don't, don't be afraid to die. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's really not. The only reason you're afraid to die is to keep you here to do your, to play the game here. Otherwise you would not know that. Yeah, I've often thought about that. I've often thought about this fear of death that is so prevalent in our society is like to keep us here. But anyway, we're, not, here. we're not going to go into that. What happened? So you had septicemia and you died. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you part, like what happened as soon as you left your body? I left my body and I'm a retired nurse, especially ICU and ER. So I floated above my body for a while to watch them to yeah. see how good a job they did. And they did an <laughs> exceptionally good job. Yeah. I was very pleased. Yeah. Um, I wasn't scared. I wasn't surprised. I didn't see a tunnel. I didn't see a light. It was very, it was almost like I was very quickly almost home. I did watch other people die. I was fascinated for a while after I went up out of my body and left there. I watched other people die and go to their version of heaven and hell. I, I watched that for a while because I thought it was fascinating. My father is a Church of Christ preacher, Hellfire and Brimstone preacher. So I thought that was very interesting. So it was interesting to watch that for a while. Then I pulled back even further, and that's where it became wild. And it was the most fun. And that's where I felt where I was home, that a lot of stuff that didn't make sense to me on earth Everything made sense to me finally because there's a lot of things on earth that don't make sense to me. I don't understand the good and bad scenario in this planet that makes there's so much here that doesn't make sense, and everything there made sense because I could never side with i could i I could always see good and bad and bad and good, mm-hmm. and they always got confused for me here it and I could always see everybody else's viewpoint. I don't care if it was a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I could find that viewpoint and understand why they were doing what they were doing. Over there, all of that makes sense because I could, I know this is going to sound weird, but I knew everything, but so did everybody else. And we knew why everything was happening and why everything had always happened and why it was going to happen. And I did see my life in, in total. And I understood that everything thing happens for a reason and there was nothing to worry about there was nothing to be concerned about and you can't get it wrong you can't get it wrong uh you may feel like it at times but even that's a part of the game Uh, even that's a part of the whole experience that you're trying to have so when i saw that everything worry went away and i do remember looking at people and noticing two things that people worry all the time. And I mean, all the people on the planet all the time. And then they say they don't live in fear. Yeah, you do. Cause worry is fear. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're worrying about what shade of lipstick to wear, you're in fear. And I remember when I came back thinking, Oh my gosh, that stuff is so silly. 
And I quit worrying about a lot of things. I remember that was a huge change. And the other thing that I noticed about humans when I was looking back on everybody was how everybody was worried about what everybody else thought. They worried about what everybody else thought of them, but everybody was doing it. So nobody was thinking about anyone else. It was hilarious to watch from there. You know? Okay, well, let's back up a bit. So you went over there and you seem to have come back with a much more empathic sense. You seem to be knowing what people were thinking, right? I could do that before. I just didn't know that I could do right. it. Okay. I, think that's what, I think that's what made me a really good nurse. Mm-hmm. It's just that when I came back, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, and exactly. Everybody's doing it. They just are like me. They just don't know they're doing it. Exactly. People do it whenever you cross the street to get away from somebody because it just doesn't feel right. You're doing it. Everybody's doing it mm-hmm. uh, on whether or not they judge to go on a date with somebody or not or whether to take a job or not. They're doing the same thing. They just don't know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I came back with this primer that that's what I'm doing. And ever since 2008 and I woke up, I have been learning the primer and getting better and better and better at doing what we all do. Only I do it more and more consciously all the time. Yeah, deliberately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much yeah. more deliberately. Okay, so you left your body and you said that you sort of hung around in some form of the astral watching people transition and then going mm-hmm. to a heaven of their own creations right so i've had this discussion on the show before whereas when we transition we get to experience what we believe so right. you said that your father was a hell of brimstone preacher right. what did you believe was going to happen when you were going to die i don't think you know now coming back i don't think i had i don't think i bought into any of it completely so I didn't I didn't believe any of it so I didn't expect any of it now I watched people go through the tunnel and the tunnel I know now is reincarnation that's people who've been on earth and they go through the tunnel and they reincarnate on the planet if you don't see the tunnel that's an incarnated person so you'll incarnate somewhere else or this could be your first incarnation and there's a big difference in those two words and words are powerful They have vibration and they mean something. People should be a lot more careful how they use them. They're powerful. And uh, I didn't have that because I'm pretty sure this is my first time on this earth. And I don't think I've spent any time in physical. I'm very bad at, I'm, I'm not very good at running the skin suit, third dimensional skin suit. I always have been bad at running it. And I try really hard, but people who have been on the planet many, many incarnations, they don't realize it, but they're so much better at running the human body. It takes practice. It's a complicated thing to get the hang of, of merging with. What do you mean by running? Running the human? um, The best way for me to do it is it is the body that's created from the molecules of Gaia, the consciousness that she gave you that your what people would call spirit or soul inhabits there's actually two there's your soul that comes and merges with the body and the body is a part of gaia and you are part of something else and then you work together in a team so you have to consciously guide this body you've got to learn how to walk and how to talk and and then you're the one your spirit is the one that learns to consciously create 
to create everything moment to moment. The more instinct part of you, the more what most people would consider is animalistic. That's the skin suit part of you, the avatar that you're running. Kind of like the movie Avatar. Like you go into that body. It's very much like that. I love that movie. Uh, it's very much like that. So if you're really, really have been here thousands and thousands and thousands of lifetimes, uh, you're a lot better at it. And I've got an ex-husband who's, I think, I'm pretty sure he's been here almost from the beginning when Earth started. And he is very good at running this avatar. And I'm like a klutz. I'm forever falling. And it drives me crazy. I will tell you this, that when I came back into body, I was terrified because it was so claustrophobic and, and only being able to see this way and everything being so little and you can only sense through five senses. It was horrible. I know I'm bouncing around a lot, aren't I? You're bouncing around a lot. Let me bring you back. Okay. So you've left your body. You've seen people go to the creation of their own. You go to an environment that you call home and you know everything. What does that environment feel like, look like? feels like space. Mm-hmm. It feels like, um, it feels like, so there's not a word for as big as it is. Is it, I, I say, if you could take everything that you know about the universe, and I mean every star in the sky, every 200 million earths that they think we now have, if you multiply that with multi-dimensions, if you take everything that we think we know, add to it every sci-fi movie you've ever seen, every book you've ever read, take all that and put it in a grain of sand, throw that grain of sand into the Sahara Desert, then you'll have an idea of what I saw and felt. It's that big. And you could probably almost do the same thing over and over and over. It's that big. It's just so big. And the amazing thing is that with one thought, you affect it all. One thought. It it is just, just... you know, one thought, we can change it all. Know, it's just it's, magnificent. You know, this is the reason I put these shows out and um, sometimes I get a bit of uh, flack on the YouTube videos. People say, don't interrupt your guests, let them talk, tell your story. <laughs> but as much as I want my guests to tell their story, I want people to understand how powerful they are. And yeah, I, I wish if, if I could, there's a movie called Contact and she comes and she's, She's telling her story and she says, I wish if I could die to give everybody what I saw just for a moment, I would like that. Of course, if you've been dead, you know that that's not really a threat because I'm looking forward to going back. But still, from their perspective, if they could understand for just a moment that they're not nothing, that there's nothing, nothing about them, each, every Adam on this place has got consciousness and it's powerful and it's magnificent and it's beautiful. Mm. And uh, there is a funny story, jumping again, back to the heaven and hell thing, mm-hmm. watching people go to their heavens and hells mm-hmm. that, that most people don't like this story, but I think it's a really great story because the hell people that go to hell, oh my gosh, the things that they did to themselves, Oh, it's horrendous. And the hells were full and they were horrifying and horrendous. They're, they don't stay very long, though. They quickly figured out that that was them doing it and they got out. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. however, as fast as they got out, mm-hmm. the people that went to heavens got out faster. You want to know why? Why? Because when you're walking through life, you're going, oh, that person's going to hell. That person's going to hell. You know that there's all these people you've in your mind 
that they're going to hell. So if you believe you're going to hell, it's jam-packed. But when you're talking about heaven, most people don't think anyone's good enough to go there. So when they do believe that they're going to heaven, they assume that God has put people there with them. So they show up and there's like maybe Mary, maybe Jesus, maybe God or angels, and that's it. They're alone. So because they don't populate because they don't understand they're the ones that created it to begin with. So it's empty. So they are very lost. The ones that stay there the longest are the ones that create places like mountains with lakes where they fish. They're the ones that now they hang around for a while. If it's something that just for them is personally nature, usually the nature ones, they, they'll hang around. And sometimes they'll have family and friends that show up. But I thought it was hilarious to see the heaven people. You know, they're in their big mansions in the gold streets. And there was nothing to do and nobody to talk to. And they were just gone. It was hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, funny story. <laughs> so he- heaven is empty. I'll call this heaven is empty. <laughs> heaven is empty. <laughs> I'll call this heaven is empty. So, okay. so here you are with all that is, let's say all that is, and you know everything. So once you know everything, what do you do? You've checked out heaven. You've checked out hell. You're back with all that is, and you know everything. Then what? I know there's no linear time. It's, but we'll talk right, about it's, that it's like um, now that you know everything, and you've got everything you could ever possibly imagine. Now you can go look at things specifically, which is what I said. I could go down and I could I could pinpoint down into the experience of an atom in a cell, and and know that. I mean, intensely, completely, wholly, with my whole everything. And then I could run over here and completely see a different alien's universe or I could do anything. And that's what I did. I mean, it's like I was in a candy store trying out new candies as fast as I could do it. And I'd zoom, 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 zoom. And that's what I did for like 20 years, what felt like 20 years. I'm just saying that like a long time. And then I remember very clearly, I went, you know what? I should go back to that planet Earth and do this. And I woke up in the hospital like that. And I was immediately mad. And I went, oh, no, because I realized I, because that's all it takes is a thought you can create. But I'd forgotten that time here is you're stuck. When you come back here, you can't zoom around like you can most other places. You're stuck in time space. So I thought, well, I'm going to come back and do this cool thing and then leave again. But no, I woke up and here I was in the hospital, single mom, two kids, 30 days in a hospital. I lost everything. I had no money, no job, no nothing. I I couldn't walk. And uh, this is not a great country to be in if you don't make money. Uh, (laughs) So I was pretty much, and on top of that, they told me I'd never walk again. They told me I'd be on $50 a day of meds for the rest of my life to stay alive. Oh, yeah, I was not happy. So when you came back into your body, you, you didn't know how to get out again, basically. You didn't have another right. experience. Right. But when you were in that perspective of a uh, broader perspective, you had an understanding of time. Do you want to talk to us about time? I've come up with a couple of analogies that I think help people. I do remember the second I went from time to no time or all time is really more appropriate. 
And I remember at that moment going, oh, yeah, I remember. And then coming back into time. And although I could remember the, the no time, it was really hard for, you know, if you're in one, it's hard to explain the other. And if you're in the other, it's hard to understand the, this one. So when I'm talking to my mob, my pub friends, it's really hard to communicate to them the time factor that we deal with. So I, in dealing with and talking to them, I'm forever fighting that because they just don't understand time, time space. So the two things that I have that I think helped me is if you think of a movie, a movie that you're watching is not an old fashioned movie. It is not things moving on a screen. Nothing's really moving. It's single shots that you're looking at very, very fast. So it looks like you're, they're moving. And that's how time is. It's that you've chosen to take these little snapshots and experience them so fast at about 2 billion times a second, you're doing it so fast that it makes it look like you're moving through space and time, but you're really not. And when we get the hang of that, that's how we'll be able to go. You'll be able to go back in time and, and experience being five years old again. If you want to, you'll be able to go into a different timeline and experience. If you wanted to be a scientist, but you never went down that road, you'll be able to do that if you want to someday. And I don't think it's that far away. I really don't. I think we're closer than anybody knows. I think we're really, really close. So when you're on the other side or outside of time space and out of your body, did you meet your buddies, your mob, your friends? To me, yeah, I was immediate. And I could tell that I was one with everything. I mean, everything. And I knew that, but I also knew that there were a portion of the everything that was the equivalent of how you would feel about your best friends or your family, if you were close to your family. And I knew that those beings or, yeah, those beings, that they were my group, that what? they were my group. And I, I miss them terribly. What did they look here. like to you? I didn't see, I don't see, when I was over there, I didn't experience any of the five senses. My vision is really bad here. And so I never translated it once I went back. It's like um, I experience, I tell people, I said, you know how uh, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, a vibration is worth a million pictures. So I don't see anything. I prefer to experience the vibration, the frequency of it all. And how do I explain that other than what I just said? I don't know. But to, to narrow it down to... I don't think that we had bodies like this. I don't think it was like that. I didn't I didn't get the feeling that it was that we had physical bodies where I was at. It was more energy. It would it'd be more like energy and there was lots and lots and I, I will agree that there was lots of color. Way more color than here. Way, way, way more. It was beautiful, beautiful. But all the colors meant something to me. It wasn't just pretty colors. It was the the color and the waves and the way they interacted. All of that meant something. It was an experience. It was an interaction. It was a it was a life cycle. All of it meant something. All of it does mean something to me. And did they tell you what you were doing here? No, but I knew that I knew when I was there. Mm-hmm. I knew. Now, it's, it took me about 
Well, it took me a year when I got back to stop pouting because I was pouting about being back here. So after about a year, and I had to learn to walk and talk again. So I was back having to recuperate for a year. So I was mad and I was recuperating and I had to come up with a way to heal myself outside the medical field, Mm -hmm. which is another reason why I don't nurse anymore is because I found out way too much information to be able to do that. In the process of that, I started incorporating what I remembered and using it more and more and more. And one of the first things I did was I learned to meditate. And I'd been trying to learn to meditate for about 15 years, but my head just wouldn't shut up. And I just sat down and finally I'd had enough. And I was about, it was about 2009, 2010. And I, I just was fed up. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to stop until I get this. And I just pretty much sat down in front of a 60 inch TV in the dark with those, you know, the meditative music and the sounds and all that stuff with headphones. And I just kept doing it until I got it. Unfortunately, when I got it, I got it really well. And I pretty much went from here to what I consider home. And I didn't want to come back. So I got so I was like meditating for like eight, 10 hours and then sleeping for eight. And about a week into that, I went, "Uh oh, this is probably not a good idea." So I stopped. So I don't, I don't allow myself to do that anymore. <laughs> so why did you incarnate into a physical body this time? You said that this is your first incarnation. What are you doing here, Yvonne? The entity that is Gaia mm-hmm. is one of my good friends, and she called for some help. Mm-hmm. So I came. And that's what I'm doing here. So I'm trying to help her. So I I don't really think as much humans other than the humans are her babies that she loves everything on this planet. Everything is her. We are all one. And, you know, from that perspective, but I definitely came to her call, which is a strange thing for me to realize. I mean, that's an odd thing from my perspective. So recent, because this is all really new to me. To, to get the message that I'm I'm talking to Gaia, only that's not what we call her, but because it's vibration and you couldn't say it, but that I'm talking to her and we're friends. I mean, that's kind of a bizarre feeling. Yeah, that's the truth, though. <laughs> that's why I came. <laughs> How are you helping? What's your plan, mission? There's... Once the call was made and a bunch of beans came out, I'm not special. There's millions and millions of us, but you don't have to do anything. All we've got to do is be here and stand on the planet and it helps because we're higher vibration and it just eases it and makes it easier as she transitions into a higher vibration. The more higher vibratory beings are on the planet, the easier it is for her, the less painful so to speak, it is for her. And she's got a path too. I mean, she, she's got things she wants to do too. And that's what she's in the process of doing. So I can do things and make it better. Like I can be more centered and I can be more loving. And I can be happier, happy. That's key. And that helps her even more. But even on the worst day, if I was a drug addict sitting in the middle of a, under a bridge, I would still be helping her because it just my being here does that. Yeah. And I wish people, and there's a lot of people that that's really be happy guys. 
If you want to make a difference, be happy yeah. for yourself, for others, for the planet. Just be happy. Yeah. Look, absolutely. A few years ago, I did a energy healing workshop uh, in another state here in Australia. And, and since I was in my 30s, I've been surrounded by middle-aged women all, you know, studying energy healing and meditating and talking about spiritual things. And I used to head a group called the Academy of Light. And I remember looking out and everyone was so much older than me at that time. And I remember thinking, why is this? I've found out that, you know, after the Second World War guy put out that call because we mm. set off the atomic bomb and the powers that be said, oh, God, they're going to blow themselves up, those stupid humans. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be needing some help. And so the baby boomers, you know, that came, yeah. that, the first call, I think, Dolores Cannon, who has since left her body, she wrote a book about it that you might want to uh, read because she said that you don't know too many people that are talking like you. And I'm here to tell you, there's millions of us talking like you. Oh, yay. (laughs) I mean, Mary Rodwell, who has regressed about three and a half thousand people back to their galactic roots, she says that half the population of the planet is that they're actually star seeds. They're actually people like you that have come in to help. Half the pop. That's like three and a half billion people. That's a a big number. That's a big number. So you're not alone. But interestingly enough, when we come into this environment, we come into the mire and we forget, we take on the human body and the human brain. You know, a lot of them don't know it, but it's interesting why I asked you, you know, what are you here to do? A lot of them are just here to be, but they they get lost in the play of opposites in the polarized Mm -hmm. game that we're playing down here and they suffer and they struggle and they get sick and they, you know, and I I do remember very clearly that most it's as close as I can get. But I remember on the other side there are beings hanging around that have not come to Earth, the or to 3D because it's way bigger than Earth, but have come down to 3D. Although Earth is a very intense point, and especially with two things with time and with money. And I remember entities talking about it going, oh, well, that would never work for me. I would never forget who I am. That would never work. And then they would come here and then leave and go back. And it's like this. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. You guys got to try this. It's amazing. It did work. And it's like that. So if I could get under people to understand that this is a game, it's an experience. Don't take it so seriously. And guys, I hate to break it to you, but the only way you can have duality is to have light and dark. So there are entities that volunteered to play the bad guys. It's a part of the game. You can't get mad at the people to volunteer to play the bad guys. That's like that's like getting mad at the movie people for the for somebody playing the villain. Otherwise, you you don't get the story right. Yeah. And I think I've always seen that that the villains aren't really villains. Oh, but I do remember on the other side that this was huge, that whenever people are getting ready to come here, usually they have a a specific thing they want to try out. Like somebody will say, well, I want to have a very extreme ride. I want it to be intense. And those people, you'll have your, your buddies on the other side and you'll ask for volunteers and you'll say, okay, who will come down there and be the bad guy next to me? Come on, come on, come on. And they'll volunteer. Yeah. And so the people that you hate so much here, be ready. Because when you die, you're going to be looking at each other again. 
And you're going to have to say thank you because it's a lot harder to go lower vibration. It's much more pain. It's painful. It is literally painful. The lower you drop down when you, when you live in fear and anger and hatred, that hurts. And so the people that you ask to make you a good guy, make you shine, they hurt a lot when they came here. Mm-hmm. And when you're dead, you're not going to want them in hell. You're going to be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for letting me be the paladin. Let, thank you for letting me be the good guy. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I hope somebody listens to that because there were a lot of people that were ducking their heads. Not that they would, but you know what I mean. You know the feeling that I got. But I thought that was amazing. That was really amazing. That's one of the most important messages in the book's Conversations with God, which I read in my 30s. And um, that those books really called me into action to become a healer and, and, and a spiritual teacher. They were saying that, you know, if you choose to forgive, if you choose to experience forgiveness, which is a polarized, you know, you can't experience forgiveness when you're in broader perspective or when you're over on the other side, then somebody has to play the villain. Yeah. And without that person playing the villain, you'll have never have known what forgiveness feels like. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and people need to understand that, okay, there is, a, there is a big picture here and Gaia is doing something, but there's much smaller pictures going on as well. Like just because the majority of the people are helping Gaia go to 5D does not mean that there aren't entities that are on their process going down to 1D that might be on this planet for 50 years and then they'll jump and get it on another planet to go down to two and down to three. So they could be coming down. Everybody's not, it's that linear human. There's got to be a beginning. There's got to be an end. There's got to be a point. Well, there doesn't. You can have somebody like crib death. Crib death is a great, great example of that. Frequently crib deaths are entities that have never been in a human body before. They get in human body and go, Oh no, hell no, I'm not doing this. And they leave. Now, the cool thing about the universe as a whole is it is really good at matching up and knowing because there's no such thing as time that that entity is going to come down in that body and go, oh, hell no, and leave and want to match that with an entity that says, I want to have a very extreme experience. Well, there's not much more extreme than losing your baby. Mm-hmm. So the universe knows to put those two actions together mm-hmm. so that both people get what they want. And that's how everything works. Everything works that way from the tiniest molecule to the biggest solar activity. It all works like that. So that's what I mean. Just relax. And really, it was supposed to be fun, guys. We really did set this up to be fun. So if you look at it like a game instead of so seriously, then you can watch the bad guys interacting with the good guys. And you can choose to be a good guy and fight. You could choose to be a bad guy and fight. You could choose to sit back and watch. You can be a healer or you can be somebody that destroys. You can be on the other side. It's no different than playing chess and being white or black. It's really not. And when I pulled back all the way, it was an arbitrary distinction to begin with when it was created. And we went and the creator that came up with this idea said, okay, everything on this side is going to be light and everything on this side is going to be dark. Now this is going to be the difference in how that's going to work. They were arbitrary. It's our belief systems that make this good and this bad. It's our skin suit that feels pain 
and says this is pain. And even that's weird because there are people that do S&M that to them pain feels good. So when you start looking at all the light and dark and the good and bad, and you really start looking at it, all of those go like this anyway. If you really, it's all about perspective. It really is all about perspective. And my thing is, I love perspective. I love, there's nothing that I like better than to have a conversation with somebody and see it through their eyes. I want to know, I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to think like me. I don't even remotely want any of that. I want to know what your path looks like and what today looked like and what the sunrise felt like to you right this second. What does that feel like to you? Because that's what I like. I like all that experience and that is what we like. On the other side, that's what we're going for. Our job is to have a cool experience to throw into all the experiences so all of us can share it. And some of us like going down to 3D. I say the people that are humans, man, they're like the the extreme sports nuts. You know, they're the ones that want to climb Everest you know, just to say they've done it. And I, I look at humans and I just, I'm in awe of a human that's been here over and over and over. I just kind of shake my hand. I go, I don't know how you guys do this. I really don't. I'm in awe. The experiences that people who like to go that low dimensionally and deal with those envir- those experiences. Oh, wow. You know, I, I'm pretty sure this is my one time and I'm not sure I'm coming back. Yeah. Really. <laughs> So this is your one time. And so tell me, how did this knowledge help you with your recovery from your illness and dealing with, you know, being a single mom and struggling financially? Because that's what people are grappling with, sickness and poverty. They're the two, sickness, poverty and and lack of love. They're the three. They're the three things that really people are grappling with. Where's my love? Where's my money? And where's my help? And I'm going to say the same thing that great people have been saying for time immemorial, that the most important thing is to love yourself, that stress will kill you and your body is capable of healing everything if you just believe in it. Mm -hmm. And for gosh sakes, be happy, guys. Everybody knows this. We know it in our soul. We know it that we're better employees, we're better friends, we're better mothers, we're better everything when we're happy. I think what got stuck is people kind of got things backwards when it came to the to the to things like in the Bible it says, love thy neighbor as thyself. And we got stuck on love thy neighbor. Of course, that's the process of service to self versus service to others is that's that duality game and you have to pick sides and that's cool. But ultimately when you really look at it, service to others is service to self guys, because nobody serves others unless it makes yourself feel good. And there you start moving into unity consciousness. And when you get that and you understand that we're all one now to get to all one is kind of a long way. So I always tell people, I can talk for a long time and I can confuse the heck out of you, but it all boils down to very, very simply be happy. Happy people don't do mean things ever. And if you're happy, then you will create what you need. Just try being happy for a week. Just try it for a week. 
Every time you start getting upset or sad or mad, put on a happy song, think, uh, look at happy pictures, do something, and keep yourself primarily happy for a week and see if things don't start getting better. I guarantee you they will. And it took me, I think the biggest thing that I did was when I left and saw how petty I was being, how all of this stuff is cool and all, but it's when you've seen, you know, when you've seen the creation of a new universe, all of a sudden, whether or not your dog just peed in the, in the hallway, just seems a little bit silly to get upset about. So I think when I came back, I started looking at everything very much through those eyes. And I, I just went, well, that's just not worth getting upset about. And then the next thing I started learning was I stopped because I realized that I was worrying all the time too. And I thought I was a pretty happy person, but I was worrying all the time. So I stopped and caught myself and I'd say, is there anything, what am I worried about? Identify it first then is there anything I can do about it right this second? And I don't mean five seconds from now. I mean right this second. And if there's not, I let it go. I let it go. And went back to happiness. I became very, very, very protective of my happiness. And my happiness, because I understood the creation process, and I understood by being unhappy that created more unhappiness. The only way that I was ever going to get out of this was to insist that I was happy and that I needed to started to love myself and I didn't love myself and I'm still working on that because we're indoctrinated not to love ourselves in every way, shape or form, every way. We're not good enough or not pretty enough or not smart enough. Uh, we're not worthy enough with religion, every which way you turn, but Bigger picture, pull back perspective. Do you know how hard it is to keep 7 billion gods in amnesia? It's pretty complicated. It takes a lot. So on one perspective, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is exhausting trying to fight all these things that are put into place to keep me amnesia, to keep me as a little person. But I understand big picture that it's necessary for me to have the experience as a human. So I pop back and forth on these perspectives a lot. Mm. Well, what you've said is just so up my alley, down my lane. Yay! <laughs> it's what I teach as a teacher of deliberate creation. You know, people that have seen The Secret and talk about law of attraction, they all think it's about manifesting the stuff. And the stuff is fun. Like the stuff is the toys in the toy shop. You know, we get to play with the stuff. We get to play with bodies and money and food and holidays and, you know, people. But what we're here to create, we're actually not here to create stuff. We're here to, to manifest emotion. We're here to actually yeah. Experience. Um, forget that we are love and then remember. So we're here to be happy, yeah. actually. Happiness yeah. and love is synonymous. They're the same energy. Yes. I mean, you're never happier than when you're madly in love, right? So yes. you're, never, you're never more excited, more ecstatic, more in bliss than when you're madly in love. But you've got a focal, you know, you've got a focus. You call it the lover or the person outside of me. Yeah. But really that feeling of love is your connection to your own inner self, your own inner being. Or yeah. the oh, that's what I was saying. You know, in the Bible it says, love thy neighbor as thyself. What they forget is we're supposed to be loving ourselves first. If you can't love yourself totally, completely, 100%, 
then you can't begin to to love them right. We're loving people wrong because we're loving them first. We got to love us first, then love them, and then unity will come. Because the second you get that, then the rest of it's easy. It's it's hard to hurt somebody's feelings when you realize that they're another version of you. Yeah, it, it's really hard to do that. I I have a hard time doing that because I. I, I understand that saying, you know, I see the God in you, in me, you know, I see the God in me and you. Namaste. And saying, namaste. Yeah, oh, yeah, namaste. Yeah, <laughs> I get that because I do it automatically. I, I also don't see humans. Uh, humans are scary. They could be very mean, very, very mean in their defensive, angry mode. And I frequently don't see that coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> I go straight to seeing the God and I don't see him coming as they're like, bad things happen. But that's cool. That's cool. That's experience. Too. But getting back to relationship, what we do with relationship is we feel that there's something lacking in our life because we're not yeah. connected to all that is, which provides yeah. everything, which is that feeling of bliss because that's all we're looking for, right? We think that the money yeah. will make us happy, the lover will make us happy, the health will make us happy. We're looking for the happy. So we don't connect to the happy and then we say, now you're going to make me happy, lover or husband or wife or friend or boss. And we put that responsibility in the hands of somebody else. And that's yep. where relationship goes wrong. And it every, won't work. And it every won't relationship. Whether and it's a mother and child or an employee or, or a boss, you know, we're looking for the happy outside ourselves. So that love yourself first, as you were talking about, is really about knowing that the happy comes from your here you're happy and yeah. and they need to do it slowly i i think that was my biggest problem is i tried to do it too fast and i saw the secret and the law of attraction and if i didn't if everything didn't start clicking into place right away then i thought well you're doing it wrong again well there you go i just blew all of it and had to start all over again so i wish that people would be patient and calm and kind to themselves and slow, slow it down, have fun with it, do it like I think the secret or somewhere said that, you know, call in a, a cup of coffee or a place to park your car first, play with it little ways first, and then grow bigger and bigger and practice, practice and verify your instincts, your instincts are always right, always. So if you give them credit and they'll grow and you will be surprised at how much fun you can have if you're not busy trying to do what everybody tells you you're supposed to do. Do things because, uh, you know, that whole smell the roses thing, It's that's dead on right. I mean, slow down, look around. If things are going on around you that are magnificent fun if you just slow down and, and pay attention. You know, watch the two-year-olds, man. If you want to remember how to do things, watch the two-year-olds. Get down and look through their eyes, and you'll remember how fascinating this place is. And then take it moment to moment. Don't try to be happy when you know that you're not going to have the bills paid this month. Don't think of it like that. Think of it, what can I, can I go outside and look at the sky and smile for a second? Do it second by second first and then grow in it. Don't try to be happy all the time, immediately. Do it a little bit. Step it out. You've been indoctrinated. People have got a lot of indoctrination and belief systems in place that say you're not good enough all the time. Start bullying yourself little by little and more and more and more. And surround yourself with happy people. Find the happy people. Don't hang around sad people. No, 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 no. 
deadly. Where from here, Yvonne? You've got a lot to say. You've got a lot to teach. You've been silent. Mm. So we're 2008. It happened in 2008. And what you've been doing in the last seven, eight years there, Yvonne? I think the easiest way is when you know everything about everything and trying to sort that out through a human brain is phenomenally difficult. And when I immediately came back, like I said, I had nowhere to live. I had two kids. I had no job. I couldn't walk. And they were telling me uh, I didn't know. So it took a year to kind of get my feet under me again. And then it took me a couple of years to kind of I think it had to stay for a couple of years for me to believe that I hadn't just made it all up, mm-hmm. that that my mind wanted to start, you know, the people around me, oh, you're crazy. And I, I went and looked and read my chart. That's how much I question it. And I'm a neuro nurse, so I know what that chart means. So when it's shut down and it says you're dead, there is no, you, you don't have anything going on in your body that can explain that. There are no little hormones shooting off and making LSD reactions. There's nothing there. And that helped. And uh, then, so I started that process and I started sorting through all of it. And uh, to be quite honest, it took the first year to get my feet under me. The second year, the second year I talked to myself out of killing myself because I wanted to go back. I wanted to go home. And I was sad and alone and nothing here felt right. This is just wrong. Everywhere I turned, everything's wrong. And, uh, but then that didn't feel right either. And I think that's when I started talking to my mom, my pub friends, and they started coming in. And then I started, and then, and then I'm not sure for a while there, it was like, okay, now, great. Now I'm schizophrenic. Now I'm, now I'm crazy. Then I think over time, things just, things are just proven, you know, questions are answered when that's the only way they could be answered and things start making sense and things start falling into place. People come into your life, things start working out better. If you start using the law of attraction, which is absolutely huge. And yes, it is true. Um, I just want to clear this up because you can't use the law of attraction. One spiritual teacher said, you know, I studied the law of attraction and it didn't work for me, so I let it go. You can't use the law of attraction. The law of attraction just is. Like the law of attraction, this is where people get, it's like I tried really hard to visualize what (laughs) I wanted and it didn't turn up. Like that is not what the law of attraction is about. No, 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 no. It's just about getting happy. It's like get happy. It's just exactly what you said. And everything that you desire, everything that you think of just becomes effortless manifestation. My life is this unfolding cascade of synchronistic event, one after the other, after the I just sit back and let it happen. Like I have ideas, I've got thoughts, I've got desires, but I don't, I don't work too hard to make it happen. I just sit back and allow it to happen and just enjoy my life. That's the law of attraction and action. It's just that getting happy that we spoke about. That's well, it, all part of the game down here. It's like I, live inside the contrast and the drama and the trauma and the politics and the disgrace and the, all that and be happy. Can you be well, happy? And well, the, the law of attraction is not a law of good attraction. 
the law of attraction is the law of attraction. attraction. Like attracts like. like so, and the, and the universe does not, it doesn't judge. If you want to come here and be a bad guy and have horrible things happen to you, it's not going to judge that. You have the right to do it. You're a god. You speak and it answers it. Yeah. The trouble is that people don't understand the difference of what they're creating. Mm-hmm. So they go, oh, well, I'm having terrible things happen to me. So the law of attraction doesn't work. No, yeah, it is. It's just you're doing it so that you create awful things. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that that's the way it is. And I'm sorry it's on you, not the government, not your great uncle Fred, not the war. It's you doing it. You're responsible. So if you're having bad things happen, now, and the second that you walk, it's hard to walk through that door. It's easier to blame everybody else. And the law of attraction, if you want to believe it's somebody else, law of attraction will make sure it looks like it. Because what you say, it will do. It is your, it is your general manager. It will do as you say. Yeah, you get so, to do that. But the second you walk through that door and you take responsibility for it, you say, okay, from the moment I took breath, the moment I decided to be a human, this has been on me. And the second you take that, once you walk through that door, there is nothing like that freedom. Nothing. Then it's just practice after that. But you've got to take responsibility. You've got to accept and make that a belief. The good or bad, right or wrong, it's you doing it. Yeah. I want, to talk about, I want to talk about this with your, because uh, you said once you went home, then you didn't really want to be here like, and you, you thought about committing suicide. So again, that whole story comes into play there. I said I'd be here. So I've got to take responsibility for that and not try and get out of it. Like yeah. killing myself so that I feel good was not and what I signed up for. Because <laughs> I said I'd be here. I said I came to do something. I said I'd be here and I said I'd enjoy it while I was here. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty much, and I've told people, I said, the personality that you are, I mean, that core part of your soul that you know is you to the depths of your, to your toes, that doesn't change. And there is a part of me that is, I loves new information, technology, science. I love to help people, healer type. And stubborn is my middle name. I do not stop ever. I will keep going no matter what. That's a part of my core being. And it's part of, part of the being that was over there too. So it just became a matter of, no, nah, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I don't care how tough it is. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm not quitting. And there, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not quitting. And so once I put my mind to that, then it became, okay, so if I'm going to be here, how do we do this thing? And I think that was the lag time. There was the, my physical body had to get better. Then my mental mind had to make up its mind whether or not stay or go. But once I decided to stay, then I started to figure out how to play this game and do it right. And, you know, there's a lot of trauma and that's a whole nother story about my body and the trauma and my previous life because it's full of a ton of trauma. And there's a reason for that too. But I had to deal with all of that too. And did I want to take it on? And as sick as I was when I first came out of the coma, I was still so weak that the thought of doing all that was just too much. So I understand why I felt the way I did. I don't beat myself up for it. It makes sense. It was very hard to get healthy again, to just come back to a point where I could walk and talk again. And I had to get back to work. I had bills to pay and kids to take care of. So I had to get back in the soup, so to speak. That's what I say, which made it even harder 
to do all of this. But because of all that, when I talk to people, I understand the struggle. I really do. I understand how easy it is to slip into negativity. I understand how easy it is to to lose hope. I understand. I've been there, done that. That's the reason why I say for those that it hurts so much, and there's a lot of us here. There's three billion of us here, like you said, that it hurts here. It's hard to do this. So that's the reason why I want them to like just moment by moment, please just smile moment and do little things like smile at the cashier. Don't get mad if somebody cuts you off. Make up a story in your mind and reach out with empathy. Maybe their dog just got run over. Maybe they just found out they're they're dying of cancer. Make up that kind of story instead of, oh, what a hateful person. They just hate me. Start messing with your mind first. Do it little steps. Don't worry so much about the money and the bills and the success in finding the love of your life. Do it in a little way first. It's easier to do it in little ways first. Make your happiness the priority. Yes. Yeah, yes. And, not, and not the bills and the money. It's interesting when I was right. learning about this when I was in my 30s and I was a struggling energy healer, single mom bringing up a daughter and worrying about money. You know, my mob, my guides were saying to me, okay, we're going to teach you about trust where I owe thousands of dollars and I had no money. And they said, we don't want you to look for a job. We don't want you to go out and look for money. We want you to relax and enjoy yourself. And so a girlfriend rings up and says, come to the beach. And all I could think of was, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. I don't know how I'm going to, like, I don't know how I'm going to feed myself. I, and so I go, okay, I've been told by my mob to do, you know, relax. And um, I'm, I'm doing trust. So I go to the beach with her and I'm, my head is, I'm, I'm full of worry, but I've been told to do trust. And she says to me, so how are you doing for money? And my guide said, do not ask anybody for money, right? I said, oh, I'm learning about trust at the moment. I'm, uh, it's a big <laughs> lesson. I'm learning about trust. <laughs> and anyway, long story short, she just insisted on giving me $5,000 and I didn't ask her. And I, and I didn't even tell her I had a problem, but she just insisted. So, you know, that's how it's like when we work on our happiness, the rest falls into place. The rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, what you've, you've got to do that first. Mm. You got to do that first. And I was so busy doing what other people told me I was supposed to do mm-hmm. that I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I didn't even know what made me happy. It took a long time to figure that one out because I thought, doing what I was told, doing what I was supposed to do was what made me happy. And come to find out when I went back to doing that again, that didn't make me happy at all. And I had to realize that, guess what? I don't care about big houses and I don't care about new cars. And I, I really, somewhere in there is gypsy blood. And I would just as soon just meet every single human on this planet at least once and travel I just and I don't want to even stay I would love to go from house to house to house I don't want to be in a in a hotel I I want to taste their food I want to cook it with them and it broke all the rules it it broke all the rules it was like well you've got to want these things you know you've got to want a career and you've got to be one of success and and you've got to. I don't even want a guy I just I just want to meet people and relax. I just, I've done all that other stuff and it about, and it did kill me. (laughs) 
all that other stuff killed me. Literally. And I'm not interested. I just, I think that the world is beautiful and I haven't had time to look at it. So that's what I've been doing is I've been slowing down and looking at it and talking to people on a, a lot different place than being a nurse. That's, that's pretty intense way to interact with people and families. So now I do it always with a smile, always, always. I want to make, I want to see the smile in people's eyes, not just their mouth. I want to see them smile. Even if it's just a second, I want to see that. And I love nature. I love nature. It is the most amazing thing to me. Uh, so I love water. So I, like I said, I'm not even close to being there. I'm not even close to where you are, where everything flows and synchronicity is awesome. Not even close, but I will be someday and it's all right. Where I am is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm a lot better than I was last month and world's better than I was in 2008. And I am starting to like myself and I like the life I have. And I love talking to my pub friends. I love my mob. <laughs> That's your, and, your spiritual guide. She calls them her pub friends. I love it. My pub friends. Day, we, have and the, to, we have to go. We've run out of time. <laughs> it's been, been great fun. It's been so beautiful to talk with you. I know we could talk for hours. You've got so much <laughs> to share. Hopefully we'll get a chapter out of you for the book, huh? I, I promised I'm writing it. People can learn more about Yvonne's story in the upcoming book series surviving death personal stories of transformation and thanks again for being on this show thank you karen it was lovely love you (laughs) love you love you all and thanks for listening to another show accentuating the positive remember if you want to meet some of the guests on the show we have monthly webinars every month about mid-month called the inner sanctum where you get to learn more about how you flow your energy and, and are the creator of your own reality and how you too can be deliberate in that. Check out my website, karenswain.com for any readings and teachings available about spiritual deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors. Join us in the inner sanctum and thanks for joining me for another show. Bye for now. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now.